0: Gautier Rezoli has specialised in the environmental footprint of the digital sector for five years and is certainly among the most knowledgeable people I have been lucky to chat with about these issues. He's currently doing a PhD at RMIT, that's the Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology, to explore which digital infrastructures and services are compatible with a world stabilised at plus 2 degrees Celsius. I started our chat by asking Gautier about the electricity impact of data centers.
1: Well, historically, there has been two assessments of how much data centers consume worldwide in terms of electricity. that have been the um, IEA uh, estimates so around like 200 teraw- terawatt hour, which is based on the work from Sherby and Hull in on the U.S., uh, data, data center sector. The analysis was made in 2016 and from this first analysis was then derived the um, IEA analysis but also the Massanet and Kumi analysis that have been uh, widely used so far. Other assessments comes from the Stem Institute uh, in Germany that did Somehow the same analysis at the EU scale and also the worldwide scale which very different numbers um, and the scenario for worldwide data center electricity consumption was around 400 terawatt hour um, So the best we know so far from a worldwide perspective is that the the range of electricity consumption for data centers is around 200 and 400. To be fair, I don't believe knowing how the datasets are being set up in uh in the on, from the US side, uh I don't really think that it's the most realistic one because it assumes that a large part of the worldwide data centers will go hyperscale. Uh, and they extrapolated that market plantation of hyperscale worldwide. To get a number of two uh, two hundred terawatt, with many other factors, but at the end, of the main hypothesis behind the work, while the German estimate is considering a less penetration rate of hyperscale in Europe and in other markets, and um, and f- if we if we look at data coming from other countries, but that cannot be verified uh, sadly because data is not open analysis. The methods used are not open, but for example, the Ministry of telecommunication of Technology and Information Communication in China is estimating their own data center energy consumption um, around two hundred terawatts per hour, which doesn't make sense according to the estimates that we have. but since we cannot see what they're including in data, in what they are calling data centers, we actually don't know. Uh, the, what's happening in China. And the thing is that from from the IEA estimates and based on Shabi and Massanet, they extrapolate from American data sets to the world. And from the border step side, they extrapolate mostly German data and European data to the world. So it's actually very hard to have, to have a precise picture. And that's why we always need to get a more... Territorial perspective to actually look specifically in countries to see where what does it actually means locally, and to set up policies that are that are effective towards a specific situation like in Ireland.
0: So in Ireland, as is saying you know, fourteen percent of Irish electricity—it's an enormous quantity in a very short period of of time, like in 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 the history of data centers and and. It, you know, people are estimating it'll grow to thirty percent uh if if uh, the the growth of data centers actually continues. So, in in country environments or certain country environments, it's it's a significant element of the electrical mix.
1: The issue in Ireland is capacity. We need mo- if we want to grow the data center sector that much in Ireland, then we need to increase capacity. The fact is. If I understand well, the power, power, uh, the power provider, Air grid doesn't have the enough enough cap, enough um, possibilities to to increase the cap, uh, its capacity according to the demand of data centers and also to the other sectors' demand. And this issue is not new at all. The same happened in Amsterdam, in Frankfurt, in Singapore. These kind of planning issues all, always happen. It's because we have a sector with a large power demand increasing very fast, and that is unsettling for many power operators. We had also the same issue in France, uh, in the north of Paris, where basically you have to make a choice that you either follow your energy transition roadmap, which normally includes that you need to reduce your energy consumption a lot, or you follow economic development uh, pathway which will always favor data centers and I don't know how it is in Ireland but I know like in France between now so 20 I mean let's say 2020 to 2050 we have to we have to reduce our final energy consumption by 40 percent in 30 so in 40 years in 30 years we need to reduce by 40 percent our energy consumption which means going from 1,600 ter- ter- terawatt per hour to 900 terawatt per hour by 2050. And that's a, actually the framing that we need to have in mind when we are analyzing such sectors. How, what is our energy transition roadmap and does it fit into it? That's the main issue because at, the, at that moment, you can have the data centers operate an island that will Absorb all the renewable capacity being put on the grid, and not allowing other sector to get it, and at the same time increasing the demand the demand for electricity. So we we'll, we we'll, we we'll end under- up with data centers operators having a very nice CSR report with lo- lowering the lowering the um, the carbon intensity of the electricity mix, but not allowing other cap other actors to get it. So at the end, if you look. If you look at it from a territorial perspective, it's a zero sum game,
0: as you say, the renewables um that go to the data center can't go to oh. not household or you know there's a there's, there's a limited capacity for those at the at the moment in the process uh, so you know but the bigger picture or maybe not the bigger, but the, the electricity it's it's part of of the overall impact of a data center. But the story that often isn't told that that much is its physical infrastructure. Um, You know, could you give us a bit of a sense of, you know, all the other elements of the data center that that we need to focus on from an environmental uh, point of view?
1: So if you take it from a life cycle assessment perspective, the first thing is the construction of the building itself. Uh, so sometimes operators will take will take on old uh, buildings and refurbish them, renovate them according to the sp- to the specificities that they need for data centers. Then you need to include all energy equipment and uh, cooling equipment. So basically uh, AC if it's if they're using that or uh, water wat- water cooling system. And also the fact that you will have um, you will be plugged to the, to the energy grid, and you will need transformators and so on to get uh, to get the right uh, the right uh, electricity in. But also all the energy systems that are that are here in case of power blackouts. So which means first batteries, lithium uh, depends on the technology, but can be lithium batteries that will take on. Uh, power the, the that will take on in case of power blackout and keep bringing um, electricity to the data center for a few minutes for the engine, like the fuel engine, to kick in and to provide a stable uh power line. Which means, so in normally in each data center there is always a turbine, like basically it's like a like a motor for 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 boats. Uh, with uh, fuel with uh, fuel reservoirs at at least to maintain uh, data centers depending, depending on the operator from two to four days you know, maybe even bigger so that's the thing to start with and then you have this building with electricity coming in you have cool, cooling coming in and then you need to put your hardware in and to be fair from an economic point of view the most important part of the building is hardware uh, it's not the building or the energy systems, because you can move your hardware anywhere. That's where you have your value. The building itself is secondary. Obviously, it's not easy to to move out all your hardware from one data center to one another, but it's possible. And then, this hardware comes from with a material footprint. Uh, servers can be quite carbon heavy, but also it depends. Um, of the of how much time you will keep them, um, data centers on average tend to like. From a, when we are doing life cycle analysis, we are taking the hypothesis that a server uh, will last at least for four to five years. It and it's what manufacturers are providing as as a uh, as a reference point. Uh, then it depends. In reality, in a big hyperscaler, especially from Google, Amazon, and so on, we have uh, like whispers or info that the refresh rate for the servers in such facilities is maybe around 18 to 20 months. We don't mean they will be discarded right after. It just means that they will enter a second cycle as refurbished. And that's why in the US, there is such a big, big market for refurbished hardware, server hardware, because there is laws being dropped by uh, by uh, Google, Amazon, and, and so on, and yet if the server is normally powered all the time, being uh, being run twenty four hours seven seven day uh, a week, then most of his footprint will come for electricity consumption. Normally, like the so standard ratio is that the material footprints represent twenty percent. I mean, the manufacturing footprint represents 20% of the overall footprint, and the use phase, the poor consumption represents 80%. But it's based on the scenario where your hardware lasts for five years and is not refurbished in in, in between. And uh, and then there is the all end-of-life thing that I don't really um, I don't really know it because I I only know. About refurb uh, refurbish uh, markets for server ha- for data center hardware, but I don't know how they are being treated afterwards once they are officially done, and I don't actually know how long a server can last be- because it always depends on the operation you are putting in.
0: It seems that um, the manufacturer server can be in the region of a ton of CO two. You know, somewhere somewhere in that region. A short life for these products is um, is very negative from a manufacturing point of view. You know, if you're constantly going through that that cycle, and some of them do go into refurbishment, but some of them or some of the components they they get physically trashed, don't they, from a security point of view?
1: Well, for hard drives, yes, um, and then for IC for integrated circuits, it depends. And at the end, what we get from that, from a, a recycling point of view, it's little, uh, little, uh, little minerals. It's a mix of aluminium, copper, and uh, something called in French "léton," but I don't know how to say it in English. So we are losing most of the materials. I mean, from most of the time when we are dealing with waste coming from the digital sector, we are we are recovering very few metals compared to the to the diversity of metals that we are putting in input
0: yeah that i saw one study that said that of the e-waste that is um is recycled often only about 30 30 to 40 percent of useful materials are actually returned from the actual recycling process
1: yeah yeah it's because i mean if you just take a smartphone, for example, there's like up uh, like fifty up to fifty-five metals in a in a smartphone with very different volumes, going from milligrams to uh, to grams. And most of the rare metals or the small metals will never be recovered because first they're in so small quantity, or they've been used in an alloy, or they just cannot be taken back. So we are losing most of our rare and small metals. When we are recycling ICT products,
0: so we've got the hardware, we've got the server hardware, the computer hardware, but we also have um, electromechanical hardware don't, that is often has a much shorter life cycle than it would have in a in a factory or a you know. Th- the other is, well. you know, that I read that about a 15 to 20 year life cycle for the electromechanical hardware, whereas in a typical factory, that would be expected to be used for 40 years.
1: Oh, you mean like uh, generators, batteries?
0: Yeah, generators, air conditioning, but yeah. I don't, not,
1: don't know that much on that part. The thing is, we know it lasts less in data centers. But it's also a a small part of. I mean, until today, and uh, to my knowledge, it was a small part of the footprint of the footprint because it's a one-time big equipment with very low. um, I mean, with relatively long uh, life, Um, but I don't know that much uh, because in LCA we don't include them. Method In terms of methodology, um, the construction of the building and putting inside electromechanical equipment is very, very, very rarely accounted for. So actually, I don't have a clear picture of that because we don't have data on that.
0: You know, even the, the buildings are only supposed to last 20 or, or 40 years. That is a kind of part of this whole digital culture that's that's nothing is designed to last
1: the same in a life cycle assessment we take the hypothesis that the building will last 20 years basically you get your return after if i remember well five to seven years of operation so after five to seven years you can consider that you can you could move out if necessary and it can depend on many factors like why would you move your data center out you can can be like that you got a very good deal with electricity somewhere else. it can be also environmental issues I, for example, I've never really understood why um, big hyperscalers were installed in high water stress uh, region like the west part of the u s and I don't see how this kind of operation can last over over more than twenty years. Because the water stress in Colorado is already increasing quite fast, and yet we have more and more data centers being constructed in in the region. The same goes in Texas. Same goes in Utah. So I, I don't really understand what what is the mid to long term perspective for data center operators. And the fact is, beyond all, uh, is we keep building so much more data centers, be it colocation hyperscales or even like with edge and i still really don't know how we are building that much regarding the capacity that we already have and the demand that is currently there so my guess here is that we are keep making new data centers because it's a safe financial asset to invest in and also because it's based on the perspective that there will be always more services being put in, more computing power being needed, and more transfer and uh, st- storing capacity needed. But yet, it's just based on perspective. It's not something that is taking it into account. So the fact that we, we, mo- we might also need to uh, to write, to ration, or to to stop the development of, not to stop, but to at least to slow down the development, development of data centers worldwide.
0: There's a couple of things you brought up there. The water crisis, the global, I, I saw today, this morning an announcement by the U.S. government for that for the first time ever, it's treating water as a national security issue Uh which a, a historical moment to, to some extent, but as you've indicated, the the western southwestern part of the US under historical uh, drought conditions, as are significant other areas uh, in the world, and the UN predicts you know very significant droughts by twenty thirty onwards, and and croplands up to eighty percent of croplands being stressed, and and yet. You know, I, I saw this study, I think, by uptime uh, last year, which said over 60 percent of data centers don't even bother to measure how much water they're consuming because they don't even think it's a business issue. They don't even it's not even it's not even worth measuring. And, and yet we know that that data centers can be can be quite water intensive
1: yeah i mean it's a very specific case for the western part of u s um i've been trying to track down the so water footprint or is the water demand of data center operators in that part of of the u s because of the draws that they were facing in july or august twenty twenty uh, and twenty one and um first it's very 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 hard to get to the data where well, they are asking for, asking for water. Um, like most companies, data center operators like Facebook or Google or Amazon, they don't use the full name. I mean, they don't use their official company name to uh, to make such demands, and they use screen companies or they're holding that in charge of data center developments. So first, you need to find the name of the company, of the screen company doing that. Then you need to find the dates of the actual uh, meeting of the municipal uh, committee, of the, where they are deciding uh, how much water, like if what they are agreeing on the water demand of the operator. I did that once for, for one data center in uh, Utah, in uh, for the Facebook Eagle Mountain data center. It took me four hours to just find one data point, which is which is. Uh, at the starting of their operation, Facebook will ask for 1,000 uh, cubic meters of water and can go up 10, uh, if I remember well, uh, 10,000 square meter, uh, cubic meters of water once they finish their development. But on average, um, a Google hyperscale data center will have a water demand of fi- 15,000 cubic meters of water. A lot of this water is recycled, recycled, reused, and so on. And it's not only fresh water being used. They don't need fresh water to cool down a data center. But the bigger, biggest picture here is that most of the water footprint of a data center is in the US, and especially in this region, is indirect. It comes from electricity generation. And if I remember well, in, in US, 80% of the of the water footprint of data centers is indirect because w- producing power has also water intensity that we need to work on for coming from dams or for steam, steam, uh, steam turbine. And it also applies pressure because obviously, the more power you demand and the more there is conflict of use about this power and also on the water that's being used to produce power, uh, and also locally on the waters that being uh, diverted to data center, and that will not go to other activities. So we can also, at some point, we, it will not be surprising to have conflict of views in California, for example, over water, uh, over water demand between farmers and um, and the what and the data center industry. And most of the time, it's not the farmers that are that are winning that kind of conflict.
0: This. It kind of leads to you know the my reading about data centers, you know when I read from researchers or people like yourself, it's almost a universal um response that the data center industry is extraordinarily secretive oh yeah uh, and, and you know I read that water uh, is with from a Google perspective is uh considered a proprietary trade secret, and they they won't even allow public officials uh tell the local community how much water uh, is is using they're using so why is it that you know it's it's a kind of the irony isn't it of data centers? They are the places that store all the information much of which about our personal lives and what we're doing on a day-to-day basis so data centers and and the googles and the facebooks have this extraordinary understanding of our lives and yet we know hardly anything about them and they 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 may go to extraordinary efforts to be secretive what, what are they hiding
1: well um it's it's um i mean it's a complicated question but for many people that work on data centers Uh, footprints, we always face uh, the secretive nature of that business. It's very hard to have data and to have actually data that is good enough to be exploited in uh, in research. So most of the time you work with whispers or things that you hear when you go to professional uh, uh, events of this industry. But yeah, it's uh, hard to get. When it comes to Google water footprints, um, yeah no we are only what's left is uh, water footprint of the all Google uh, company, so it's an aggregated version of the water footprint, which is quite useless. I mean if you are looking from a total perspective and trying to set up policies at the scale of your state of your county, aggregated water footprint of Google is useless. If you're doing a national analysis it can it can be used um and also it will become i mean for me it will be it's starting it will be black boxed even more uh i mean in some in some facilities i mean some some states google is also building its own pumping station so uh, it will be even harder to know what's been extracted and um and even on power on the power side amazon is also building its own um how do you call that in english um
0: Power station or
1: yeah, power station, substations.
0: Substations.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, so you can also see like a, a verticalization of of the business because they are also starting to develop in the, with commodities such as water of power. Yeah. And the more they take care of that, in they take care of their own operation on that, and the less we're gonna have access to it. And that's a matter of transparency. That's a matter also of uh, local uh, local conflict. I think they they start to hide it. Obviously, can be said it's a state. It's a it's like a trade secret and so on. But it's also because I mean my hypo hypothesis is that data centers are facing more and more uh, local opposition worldwide um, by local communities because they start to understand that uh, having a data center nearby comes with a price. Um, And most of the positive impacts um, are not primarily seen by local communities. Um, When you think of hyperscalers installing themselves in uh, rural communities in uh, Utah, Colorado and so on, most of the direct employment for local communities will be security cleaning and so on and it's rare to have uh, local people trained into becoming i.t engineers it happens but it's not it, it's not for locals and um and they come and also this kind of uh operation come with a lot of fiscal or financial incentives uh the even uh, data center dynamics like a specialized uh, specialized website on that was making a joke of the facebook uh, eagle Mountain data center where they were claiming that they were contributing up to two million to local communities while they get a tax cut of 150 million dollars so there's also like a disproportion of that which also leads to com- to local conflicts that then will that that will result from a, that will result from a, um, an increased uh, secre- secrecy around uh, his operations,
0: as you've indicated, the data center does very little for the community it's in. In from employment or otherwise, it's, it's, it's not like a you know another traditional industry that becomes part of um, you know the community. If it's a supermarket or a you know, dentists or, you know, does some, most of the data is not being used by the local community, so to speak, it's going all over the world or or whatever. So when a data center comes into a community, it takes far more than it gives.
1: And it's not a labor intensive uh, industry to start with. Uh, I mean, and also (laughs) part of it are becoming more and more automated. Uh, I remember there was a big controversy in the north of Paris in 2013. Uh, that was studied by a, a sociologist called Clément Marquet, where the 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 city in the north of Paris calculated that the the employment rate for data center in the in in the in the area was one full time employee per ten thousand square meters. When the average in the on on the in in the city was around fifty full time employees per 10,000 10, um, 10, square meters, so it's so way less job intensive.
0: Data is growing at an extraordinary pace, but according to your understanding, data centers are growing at an even more extraordinary pace. Is are we are we essentially potentially looking at a financial bubble? Uh type of situation with with data centers over the next five to ten years
1: well, to be fair, I have no idea on that because it's um I don't do that much i mean I'm only following from a certain distance the economics and the financial uh, news around data centers. There is a good newsletter to do that it's the one from christian Kosh that uh, that I receive weekly, and you can see like the amount of financial operation happening in the sector. It's quite insane and uh and yeah, for me, from from my understanding, I don't understand the, how we are why we are building so much data centers, and also because we are building some data centers where there is already data centers. So it's not an issue of it's not a, so some data centers could be built for an issue of geographical coverage, which is understanding. But when you look at the map of data centers they are all concentrated in the same location and which is around big cities most of the time and is are all the same place so it means also that the demand is already already quite covered so why are we building more is the question and i think obviously some forecast about new demands uh computing storage and so on and transfer is something but uh, no, I no, I think also it's also from uh we need to consider the financial aspect of it. As uh, as a safe asset to invest, that and data centers operators are as safe assets to invest in. They have with steady growth, uh, most of them at least. And everything is working quite well for like if you think of Equinix, if you think of digital realities that have been bought recently, there are huge operations and they are still expanding very very fast and in also new areas but also consolidating in many other places where they already are and also at the end you can see like there is only there will be only a few companies left so there is a concentration of power in for data center operators like colocation like uh, yeah quinix uh interaction and so on that can be the same as when you can you see for uh, for service industries such as uh, Facebook and so on.
0: Yeah, this this overall concentration that that is is going on in in the tech industry has been going on for for the last uh, twenty years. Just you know, so we at a, at a very basic level, data drives data centers or processing of data. Di- drives uh, data centers, or, or you would think should drive uh, the, the growth in in data centers, the growth of data. But you were talking about, you know, some of the articles I read, you know, or that uh, you'd written about um, the the role of data or measuring data or uh, that the consumption of data um, that you you think it's not always directly correlated uh to more data is not necessarily more energy consumption so to speak could you could you go in and just explain that a little bit uh tease that out a bit
1: historically we use data traffic as a proxy to um to for, to forecast the um, the environmental footprints of the ICT sector but we did that because we didn't didn't have a better proxy and in a very secretive sector but it's not because you're increasing traffic that you will increase footprints um, if you just think of direct uh, consumption the only places where data transfer is increasing consumption and in a non-linear way it's access networks when you are basically transferring data through a 4G LTE uh, station but it's represent like maybe 20% of the cons- energy consumption of the station. When you think of data centers, it's not because more data is transferred that directly the electricity consumption will increase. For fixed access network, it's the same, whatever you, uh, you put a lot of data or not, it's not influencing that much the power consumption. So it's not easy to use data as a proxy to estimate the carbon footprint you can use it as a, like uh, when you look backward once you know like how much electricity has been consumed by your network and how much data has been transferred or compute then you can do that but you look at it from a economic point of view it's because you decide that the one gigabyte is the economic unit that you're looking for like uh, tele, uh telecommunication operators can do but we cannot do forecasts out of that because if you think of it data transfer will only affect renewal uh the renewal of public consumption hardware such as sm- uh, smartphone or hardware or smartphone or computer when there is a change of generation for smartphones and that's pretty much it when you look at server and uh, data centers, it doesn't affect directly. Uh, if you look at networks, it only affects directly, uh, or at least directly enough, uh, um, remote access network. Uh, but it affects indirectly. Then we, you need to distinguish what is data transfer from a physical point of view and how it affects all infrastructure. So you, you need to distinguish data transfer from a, as a physical phenomenon that affects an infrastructure from data transfer as a, or data traffic as a narrative to justify a change of mobile generation. You can say 4G networks are saturated. We need to upgrade to 5G. Uh, well, that's um, that's that's a narrative that's based on data that says we need to increase our capacity.
0: You were saying there earlier about how in in France, same in Ireland, you know, we have to reduce energy consumption uh, over the next. You know, it's not about finding. It's not an energy production problem we have. It's an energy consumption one. If we're going to have a livable planet, but but let's say if we. You know, on one side, we've got this explosion with Internet of Things or whatever. But if we if we broadly speaking said we could reduce the amount of data by 40 percent or, you know, like the electricity consumption, you know, at a macro level, that would have an impact, wouldn't it? It would, you know, the, uh, um, basically, if the, the, the data centers are growing in the hope that we're going to have massive Internet of Things data. In in the process, so whereas at a gigabyte level, it's hard, you know, to track. But you know, at, at a at a macro level, uh, more data in the z at the zettabyte level, uh, the explosion in zettabytes of data. If we could reduce that by forty percent, that would be a good thing.
1: Well, um, if we say that the all volume of data traffic uh, will be reduced. In ten years, well, it will directly it will obviously affect the way we are building capacities. Uh, we'll build less data centers because we'll assume that the forecast will be negative in the future, and so we maybe we also reconsider um, building the new generation of networks. But I have my doubts on that bec- because, like, we've been pushing five G. Saying in like four G saturated, so we need to. Uh, we need to go to the next uh, generation, but if it was not not for that, they will have found another narrative. And actually, the I mean, the way the the fact we are pushing five G is mostly to to deal with uh, to massive uh, machine ma- massive machine connections. So I think it will just be a change of narrative to keep developing a sector that is profitable. So and the, so at the end, the question is can the sector be profitable with uh, keep going profitable with less data to handle and, and that's actually quite an interesting question because most of the the business model of let's say Google of, or Facebook is based on data collection profiling and getting better data and so on and so it's and even the way we are training models is based on on a massive uh, of massive use of uh, of I mean sorry in use of massive data sets so the way we are developing the ICT sector is based on the abundance of data so so could it be profitable if we are not based on that immensity of data production is a good question and and to be sure it will be correlated with uh, energy consumption if we if we reduce the overall capacity of our infrastructure or even if we stabilize it because if even if we stabilize the sector as it is today and build way less data centers and keep maintaining our networks as they are for a while with the efficiency gain that we have we could actually be be able to to reduce energy consumption but to be fair, I think that's not a big worry of the ICT sector because I think most researchers on the topic agree that energy consumption of the data sector of the ICT sector, especially with electricity, will increase largely in the, in, a, in the coming years, and the and they will lower the carbon emission by integrating way more renewable uh, energy and also by buying compensation and using. Uh, mechanisms such as power purchase agreements to to guarantee themselves uh, renewable energy, but the fact is we anyway we need to reduce our energy production because we also need to reduce our material footprints and renewable energy have more are much more intense in, when it comes to material intensity. So if we reducing our energy consumption our final energy consumption is also reducing our amount intensity.
0: A lot of my work over the last 20 or 30 years has been working in organizations, big, big organizations and ma- helping them better manage their websites or intranets or things like that. And a, and a pattern I kept noticing again and again, this is from 96, 97 onwards, is that basically 80, 90% of the data in an organization was crap. Was you really, really low level? The the intranets worked better if we deleted ninety percent of the pages. Where wherever I went, whatever organisation I worked with, uh, there was this massive quantities of of really totally useless uh, data. And 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 the more I've researched this area, I've found you know studies that say that only about five percent of data is actively managed. Uh, on a, a, a process, so anywhere you know, from eighty to ninety to ninety-five percent of data, after a couple of months, even even most of it, when it's collected, has no reason to be collected uh, in in the process. So maybe that's partly why data centers are extremely secretive, as well, because they're actually really data dumps, uh, and they're they're pretending to be these wonderful places which store tremendously useful stuff, but really they are they are they are dumping grounds for the one point four trillion photos that we take a year, the ninety nine percent that we will never look at it, look at again. And that we really do need a review of data that because if we've less data, as you say, I mean we don't need five G. 5G is a marketing, you know, other than, you know, factories and medical institutions, the vast majority of people can get perfectly buy on 4G uh, in, in the process. Uh, so we are actually getting new infrastructure, not because we need it as a society, but to meet superficial wants of downloading 8K videos that we can't see the difference between an 8K video and a 2K video. Uh, in in the process so we actually have got into a cycle of data for data's sake or data for the sake of making money for the data centers uh even though the vast majority of that data is extraordinarily poor quality
1: mm. i mean like from my perspective I, um the fact is when we are talking when we are talking about data center development and so on or even data production is that we are um, missing the framework uh in which we should evaluate these kind of things is the roadmap for energy transitions uh, all the roadmaps that we ne- we should actually follow if we want to reach our goal of plus 2 degrees i mean if we uh, reaching a plus 2 degree world is not really a goal but if we at least want to stabilize uh uh global global warming on earth and trying also to reduce the increases of the planetary limits we need to think from that and not around that and when you when you think like we need to reduce by 40 percent of final energy consumption in 30 years there is many things that need to be rethink and even the way we are developing the ict sector indeed the ict sector is based on massive data production and by by organization by by users, by many, by many, by many people. But it's a lot of, it's makes sense in a world that make money out of data production, whatever the quality, because you can anyway enhance the quality by cross-crossing this kind of data set. And try to until you make something that can be use useful from a marketing perspective or from a data profiling perspective. So even we if we create like low-quality data, we we can find ways to make it useful from a specific perspective. This is the one from the business model we are following right now. But indeed, the question of thinking of a ST sector that is not based on massive data production is very challenging and it's very at the same time very interesting because it's hard to think how we can get there. And also, it's hard to assess what data, is, what what data is worthwhile or not, from um, from a user perspective. And we don't have constraints anymore that make 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 you have this reflective process of uh, should I keep it or not. Um, for many people that uh, lived in a world with lower quality or more expensive data. The process of picking pictures were uh, makes sense because there was a overall constraints. Um, nowadays, there is no not that much constraints. The fact is we are in a massive, like uh, in the data, massive data production world ecosystem, is that because we are lowering constraints and making making them visible, and and that's my, that's my take on it. It's like we. When you when you think of the overall constraints that should be there, and are not, then obviously you are producing uh, behavior and business models that are based on dump data.
0: A lot of this data that is actually useful is driving the consumption we're trying to u- reduce. Like a, a lot of the biggest IT companies in the world are now advertising companies. I mean, Google is an advertising company. Facebook is an advertising company. They just, uh, technology is the a side uh, impact of what they do. But where they make, Google makes 80% of its revenue through advertising. Facebook makes 95%. They are advertising companies. So they're using data to actually drive superficial consumption in, in the vast majority of situations. So even the so-called useful data is actually Actually, destructive of a, a livable planet in the future. So I think I think sooner or later we need to have a a, a serious policy look at data. Maybe the secret driver of the climate crisis.
1: Mm, I mean, it depends because um, it depends on your definition of data. And I think we need much more um, precision of what, what you call data because be- between weather data or satellite data for climate monitoring from or from uh, health health data to uh, to uh, to advertisement like to data used by for advertisements there is a huge gap which means that if you need to assess which data should be kept then you need a framework that is a highly moral uh, perspective but uh, I, I would take it the other way by saying like actually what's happening in Ireland is um, can be seen as an interesting experiment because if I remember well Airgrid put a constraint on the sector on the capacity of the sector because there would be no more data center, new data centers in Dublin until 2028 if I remember well uh, which means if the data, produ- if data production keeps increasing then it Part of it will be uh what will be taken care of by data center already existing and some of it will be deported elsewhere and it will be interesting to look at that uh, other patterns that um that that we we'll have from this region to see how it works but um i i don't know it's not very interesting what i'm saying actually at the moment i I don't know what to think actually about your about your proposal okay. <laughs> I need, I need time to think, I think.
0: If you're interested in these sorts of ideas, please check out my book, Worldwide Waste, at jerrymagovern.com. To hear other interesting podcasts, please visit thisishcd.com.